Welcome to the Reformed Refugees Podcast, where we discuss our joys, our difficulties, our questions, and our discoveries that we've had along our journeys to living within a Reformed, confessional, Christian community. As a disclaimer, we are not affiliated with any particular church or ministry. We are just two ladies hanging out in a kitchen, talking about these things and hoping that you will come and join us. So grab a cup of coffee and enjoy. I'm Lydia. And I'm Danielle. And today I'm excited because I get to interview Danielle and I'm really looking forward to hearing how you got to where you are. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot there. Uh-huh. So <laughs> with that, go ahead, Danielle. That's all the intro you needed, right? All right. So I do, I also want to give a disclaimer that anything that, um, questions that are asked, um, answers that are given, we just want you to know that I know it can be hard coming out of um, different communities within the um, Christian realm, I guess you could say, and coming to different places in theology, and we're all in different seasons. Um, We all have different, um, we're all growing in different ways and just chasing after the things that God is leading us to. And so I just want you to know if you are somebody who is... um, someone that I attended church with in the past, whether it was 20 some years ago or a year ago, um, that I love you, that I'm not, this isn't a, um, judgment on, on where you're at. There's nothing particular that I'm going to be sharing in those things, but this is just my journey. And my goal, our goal here is to share with others who are on this journey that we're on, because it can be a really hard, lonely journey. Um, It can be very easy to misunderstand some of the things um, within the Reformed world if you aren't asking these questions and if you aren't exposed to this kind of theology or have never been exposed to theology before at all, um, kind of like we were. And so I just want to lay that disclaimer out there that this isn't to judge others. This isn't um, this is all just to share where we're at and Mm -hmm. um, where God is leading us. And the ways that he's growing us, like he is every Christian who is bearing fruit and following after him. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I will share just a short synopsis, I guess, of my upbringing and... um, isn't that summarize <laughs> summarize your life in four sentences? Dan. It's such a silly request, but I mean that's short, sort of what what we're shooting for. How do we how do we get all of this condensed down into a single episode? Where I'm sure that you could probably, out of your own life, have your own podcast, you know, your own book series, constantly sharing. A movie, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh Lord, not a movie. <laughs> but yeah. So with that, with this impossible task in front of you, yeah, where were you? Yeah, so I did not grow up in my formative years, my very young years in a Christian home. My grandmother, my mother's mom, um, took me to church as a young girl, as well as my father's father, so my paternal grandfather. Grandparents are getting it done. They are getting it done. So my my paternal grandfather was a reverend in a Nazarene church. Okay. I'm not super familiar with all Nazarene doctrine, but I did have Brandon, my husband, look up. I'm like, okay, Church of Nazarene, is that actually a church? It's actually a church, (laughs) to our knowledge. And so he was a reverend, um, but he passed when I was six years old. So I was pretty young. 
and didn't have much exposure. I remember going to Sunday school. I remember some of the amazing Sunday school teachers that are still around um, and just how loving they were. But that was a kind of few and far between kind of thing. My maternal grandmother, so my mom's mom, took us to church as well. Um, she went to a church in Fort Wayne called uh, Worldwide Church of God. Okay. And I didn't realize it at the time. It was a very different kind of church. But it has actually been labeled as a cult now. Uh, an I say official that, one. An official cult. Okay. Um, I think his name was Herbert Armstrong. No, his last name was Armstrong, was the founder. I remember just my grandmother not being allowed to celebrate Christmases and birthdays and do gifts. Mm. They did like all of the feasts. Like they held those. It was almost like they were biblical mandates to hold and do all the feasts and the Passovers. And they observed all of like the Old Testament festivals. I I just want to pause on that right there because... I just want to say for the people who are living in that, there's a part of me that feels like so, I, I don't, almost inferior in a way, because even when it comes to Thanksgiving, we may or may not have mashed potatoes based on whether or not I burned them or not. So, <laughs> yeah. When you go through and you look through these festive, like it's, there's some hardcore things to follow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, can you imagine being the one wife who like burned the lamb on, pe- like, right? <laughs> Or like got the wrong kind of bread. Is it leavened? Is it unleavened? What do, what are we doing here? That what is a seder? Like would have been me. So in these kinds of things, I feel like there's a level of respect that I have that people are putting in that much effort and they're yeah. able to pull it off because I know that I would certainly fail. Yeah. So. And I know to like my knowledge, they did that at their church. It was not in the home kind of thing. It was okay. as the church body. Okay. And I do know that I have uh, friends who do do these uh, festivals, these feasts and different um, celebrations. I'm not sure if their belief is that it's mandated or if it's just something to experience culturally, which Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the issue comes when we think that it's a mandate and that it's something we still have to do because of the old law. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, But this is just the culture that this um, quote-unquote church was. What I'm hearing you say there is that you can see the historical value in it. You can see the value in teaching about these cultures so that when you go to read the Bible, you understand sort of the setting yeah. that it was in. And I think there's a different level of respect. Yeah. There's a different level of being able to experience things that Jesus would have experienced mm-hmm. or that um, you know people in the Bible would have experienced. I just think that when we put any more weight on it than that, Okay, when you get into whether or not your salvation is... Yeah, or like if you're looking at others because they're not doing it. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, But yeah, so this church, they did that. Um, They didn't believe in the Trinity. I don't know all of the... uh, You can look it up. You know, I don't know all of the specifics. I do know that when Armstrong passed, his successor was Joseph. And I'm not going to say his last name right. It starts with a T. Okay. I have no idea how to say it. But he did bring change, and either my, even my grandmother, who I spoke to last night, because I'm like, man, how much do I say? I don't want to be offensive. But she even said that they, they got a lot of freedom when his successor took over. Okay. And so he did bring them back into a more, not even back, he did bring them to a more orthodox Christian belief. Yeah. Not perfect, 
Um, but, and some people stayed with the Worldwide Church of God, and then others, when it split off and they started that, it's called Grace something. Okay. And it is more Orthodox Christian now. So that was my experience very young. And then my grandmother at some point started going to a Free Will Baptist church, and we started going. My parents, um, when I was about 12, professed Christ. Um, we all got baptized together. Oh, when you were about, so you were about 12? Yes. Okay. And so that was my experience. Growing up was more of like a fundamental free will Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And um, did your life change then, like as a 12-year-old? Oh, yeah. My home life definitely changed. Now, as far as, um, you know, I think that there's a big difference in Christian culture and actual Christianity. Yes. So... I can't say that there wasn't true change, that God wasn't working in me, mm-hmm. but I do know that I was much later in life when I feel like I was actually fully regenerated, if that makes sense. Yeah. But as far as, you know, uh, the church that I grew up in and the churches that I've had gone to up until later in my adulthood were very, like I said, fundamental. And, you know, we were at church growing up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Uh, there was just, there was a lot. It was a, it was almost like an unspoken rule that like you, the holy, holier you were, the more you were at church, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying there's anything. It was awesome to have that community. But I remember if we had, we had to like miss things because mm-hmm. no, we have a church event or you know, growing up, we would go to like skating nights, all night skating nights, and we wouldn't get home until six in the morning on Sunday. Well, you're still going to church. Yeah. And I can see that from one point and from another, I'm like, man, I think that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth with religion mm-hmm. for a while, which led later to some rebellion in my, you know, um, after I graduated and was out of my parents' home. Well, and so that like when you're graduating, that's like 18. Yep. So you, from 12 to 18, that's only six years. Yep. You're already in like a rebellious kind of... Oh, yeah. Just everyone is. And everything changed. And it did. So you went 12 years of your life kind of just living where... Like, oh, it's Wednesday. Let's go to the movies. Sure. Why not? What else is there to do? Yeah. To know we're going to go to this thing. So yes. that, could, that, that could be hard for a kiddo. Not that it's not... Uh, a beautiful thing that parents want to take their kiddos to church, but I can certainly understand how, you know, 14-year-old Danielle's kind of put out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there was just a lot. They got some things really, really right and some things really wrong, and some of the things that they got right were done in the wrong way, and so there's just a lot. Yeah. Um, A lot of just rules, unspoken rules, and things that were taught that, as an adult now, that I am really looking at sola scriptura, that it's like, that's not in there. Um, and so I, when I turned 18, I moved to Florida for a summer and then came back and went to college. Mm-hmm. And when I was at college, I was going to like, I went to Ball State, like the cruise stuff and Christian, it was uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. I don't know what denomination that was, but some really hard news hit me with a very close friend who I had grown up in church with that went there. Mm-hmm. And... I found out that they were hiding from me and all of our friends were hiding from me as well that this person was gay. Mm-hmm. And this guy was somebody that I looked up to. Um, 
And he actually, as a, as a teenager was preaching at these churches that I was in. Yeah. And so that kind of rocked my faith and my world. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, is this, how can this even be a real thing? Like questioning whether God was real or not. And then I moved back to Florida and I won't go into all the reasons why, but because of that, I started working in a salon and, um, the owner of the salon was a Scientologist, Mm -hmm. which I didn't really understand what it was, and I was very vulnerable at that point because of other life circumstances that made me question my faith as well. And so that was kind of taken advantage of, I feel like. I was 19 years old, mm-hmm. 18, 19. I was 18 and a half. It, nah, I don't know, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was suddenly alone because I had been engaged and the engagement got broken off and that's why I moved to Florida. Oh man. And so I was working in the salon and the owner was a Scientologist and told me like, you can be a Christian and be a Scientologist. You can be a Buddhist and be a Scientologist. Like you can be any religion and still be a Scientologist. And so, um, I was not a Scientologist, but to work there and to get raises, Mm -hmm. we had to do like sessions and classes and I didn't really understand what that was and I didn't understand um legally the implications that that really held yeah all my all my alarm bells were just like going off but But I was alone I was 19 uh I had kind of just been like I'm done with I'm done with God I'm done with religion like Mm -hmm. I'm just done and this was my job And so, um, I did those things. She got me hooked up with a Scientologist. I started dating a Scientologist. And when my, um, the guy I was engaged to and I broke up, which I had my own place, but I could no longer afford that because he helped pay bills. Yeah. And I decided to, or no, I actually could afford it, but his name was on the lease. So I had to move out. Okay. And so she actually found me a room to rent Mm -hmm. from somebody in her Scientology church. So then I was also living with a Scientologist. So just totally engulfed in that. Um, I, at some point, probably six months later, I was just like, this is uncomfortable. There were a lot of things going on. Very brief synopsis. Like I said, if you have questions later, I can answer them. But I pretty much overnight packed up and just left. I ran, fled back home to Indiana. (laughs) And my friend with me and I was like, you're driving me back home. Yeah. So this is like a real, this is a real back and forth because you're in Indiana, you go back to Florida, you come back to Indiana, you go back to Florida and you so you're just kind of, kind of going back and forth. Yep. I moved back and I was still done with church. Um, I started going at some point I started going back because uh, somebody that I've been dating, they grew up old regular Baptist mm-hmm. and um, I talked him into going to church with me. And so we were going, neither of us really professing. I mean, I felt like maybe I was just back, quote unquote, you can't uh-huh. see my air quotes, backslidden. <laughs> and um, his, his family wasn't super happy about it because it wasn't an old regular Baptist church. And so we both stopped going. I have never heard of this denomination. Old Regular Baptist. Never heard of it. You can ask questions later. (laughs) That's such a, like, I don't know. It's like no music, the long skirts, long hair, like. Okay. No musical instruments at all. That almost sounds like um, some folks who didn't want to be part of a denomination, really. Like, oh, we're just old regular Baptists, you know, but then it like became like a solidified yeah. thing. Okay. No, yeah. Sorry. So his, and it was actually my oldest daughter. He became my oldest daughter's father. Okay. And um, 
when I was pregnant with her, I got back into church because I knew that I did not want her growing up the way that I grew up. And I knew I needed a change and I knew that God was the change that I needed. And so I got back into church. It was still another free will Baptist church. Mm -hmm. And, um, that continued for a while until I got married. She was four when I got married and he was an assemblies of God children's pastor. And so that was a whole other, you know, different side of a denomination, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Uh, with different beliefs. And I just remember one night um, I went to a Wednesday night prayer meeting there and we weren't dating yet, but they, um, Actually, let me rewind. I'm sorry. That's okay. So in between when my oldest was born and I married my late husband, I dated a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I just got to add all of these little, you know, anomalies in here. Uh-huh. And so I dated a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, we ultimately broke up because I wouldn't convert and he wouldn't convert. And so we're like, yep, this just isn't going to work for us. Yeah. Uh, so nothing super weird there. It was just like we were talking about marriage. And then it was like, he's like, well, you could convert and, you know, move to Michigan. He lived in Michigan. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not living that life. That's, you know, even if I wasn't, God was still drawing me in through all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so God protected me from that as well. And then I met my late husband, JJ. And like I said, he was a children's pastor at Assemblies of God. He mm -hmm. grew up in the Assemblies of God church. His um, stepmom is a... Uh, the young adults pastor at an assemblies of God church now. And my first exposure to really some of the beliefs that they had were, was at a Wednesday night prayer meeting and we weren't dating yet. I was just there with uh, a friend and they all, we were all sitting in a circle holding hands and they were trying to get me to speak in tongues. Mm. And like so much so that they were like all laying hands on me at one point and like yeah. commanding me to speak in tongues. And I was just like, I like, there was so much pressure. Something started to blurt out and I shut my mouth because I'm like, I'm not going to fake this because I'm being commanded to speak in tongues. Right. And so they believe in, you know, the yeah. baptism of the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. Like that's evidence of it, that you are actually a Christian. So I never spoke in tongues. Um, my late husband did. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would really... Um, explain that but yeah so you know there was that we ended up leaving that church and going back to the free will baptist church that i'd been at and then um there were different things that came out of that growth that god was doing that called a bunch of us out of that church just there was some division and issues because we were going to an event that had many different denominations mm -hmm. and they didn't agree with it and then um we helped plant another church that we'd been a part of that was evangelical. And um, that was a church that we were at before. Um, that's where Brandon and I met, actually. Okay. And then we stayed there together, married for a couple of years. And then God let us out and where, where we are now. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how long all that was. I'm so sorry. No, you're totally fine. Um, sometimes I don't even know how we can condense these things down to oh here's a timeline of all the things yeah. that happened so I in, in this I was trying to sort of take some notes about the different the different churches and kind of the, some of the, the big stopping points and when I look back on that I guess what's striking me is what feels different for you this time with with where you're at yeah 
So uh, I will add in there, and I know we talked about in the last podcast, through my grief of losing my late husband, Mm -hmm. I got into new age practice. Okay. Which I know at that point that I was actually regenerated. I was running from grief, and I thought I was doing right. I was teaching holy yoga, Mm -hmm. automatic writing kind of thing. Um, So I know you had questions about that, so I just wanted to remind you of that. But yeah, so now it's, it's crazy when you... I never grew up with theology. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I was never actually taught biblical doctrine, yeah. I guess. I was taught doctrine, but it was man-made doctrine. Yeah. And so I never understood what it meant to be Reformed, what it meant to be a Calvinist or an Arminian, or that there was even any other worldviews as far as end times. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yes. eschatology uh-huh. and all of these things. And I was never taught that as a woman that there was importance and knowing, understanding, and learning theology, Mm -hmm. period. Like, it was almost like a stay-in-your-own-lane kind of thing, you know? Right. And it's crazy because in the different churches that I've been in, some of them were very against women preachers, and some of them were very for women preachers. Mm -hmm. And so I never had a chance to sit back and really think about what I thought because I've just always been, and I think that this is... A, a good and a bad thing, but God has allowed me to be able to see things mm-hmm. from a lot of different perspectives and um, be open-minded about things, but he's always rooted and grounded me. There was always this underlying current yeah. keeping me, it was God, I know I know what the underlying current was, but yeah. keeping me from diving deep into some of these false religions yeah. or uh, belief systems that weren't really... Mm-hmm. what scripture says, I guess. Yeah. And so now that I am discovering this whole world yeah. of reformed theology, I'm understanding, you know, like the five solas and what it really means, like sola scripture, like where we're getting everything from and how the Bible, like for ourselves, we need to know, understand, Absolutely. read, study mm-hmm. God's word because there's so much influence, good and bad, good intentioned, bad intentioned. I'm not saying that all things that are wrong that I've been taught in theology were nefariously taught. Right. But I think that even pastors and leaders mm-hmm. and elders sometimes rely on what they've been taught and not what they've actually been shown. Yes, and I'm here I'm here to tell you that when I was in my previous life, it was with the best of intentions. Yeah. It was with an earnest heart of mm-hmm. I didn't want other people to suffer. I didn't want other people to have to go through you know, eternal damnation. All of these things yep. were forefront in my mind and if you could have cracked my heart open, you could have seen that I was trying desperately to care for my neighbor and it was truly out of love so i can completely believe that somebody can do these things theologically with the best of intentions yes so i you know take that take that for what it is yeah and i look over these different types of churches too that you're talking about that you were in and from our standpoint now, I think we sort of look at this and say, okay, wait a minute. Why wasn't this an alarm bell? Why wasn't this an <laughs> alarm bell? But go back to where you were in those states of mind and what did you know? What were you educated with? And for me, these things, 
some of them could have flown under the radar because I didn't have a way to view scripture in total. Yeah. It was just pieces and parts and where they sort of where they sort of go, but nobody's really sure. Yeah. But over here there's this and so it it's sort of put together and when somebody else comes in like, oh yeah, well we celebrate this because we feel like it's a, a good way to, you know, honor this and but when they don't tell you if you don't honor this, you're hellbound. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that at first. You hear that a little bit yeah. later down. Oh I mean it's like any kind of um I mean, even within false religions, you know, you're not, when you have the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormon knocking on your door, they're not bringing out that real deep theology to start with. Right. They're not baiting you with some of the really outlandish, crazy things that we know that they believe. Right. (laughs) Lovingly, I say this, but it's, no, well, we believe in Jesus. Uh We believe that God is, you know what I mean? God is our God, our Father. We believe, you know, these things. And... It's not, you're not seeing, they're not going to throw out alarm bell kind of things right right off the bat because people are going to run. Like yeah. you're going to run. It, it's something where the, the heat gets turned up slowly. The boiling frog, right? Is that what it is? Yes, like- <laughs> exactly what I was thinking of. And you, you don't know where all these things are ultimately heading because they are on the surface also similar. Mm-hmm. That oh well of course why wouldn't it just be what I'm what I'm used to yep. and maybe you and I are just unique and we're the only naive people on this earth earth walking around <laughs> thinking that everybody is well intentioned but I would have to guess that there's more people out there who've been through this than just yeah. you and I and so when we get to look at sola scriptura and we say okay nothing but the word of God is going to be the measuring stick here and you learn how to use that measuring stick and you start to learn how to compare all these counterfeit things, Mm -hmm. it seems like, oh, well, yeah, what was I thinking? But we got to give ourselves a little bit of grace there and to, you know, we've got this journey to go on. Yeah. And I also very firmly believe that, yes, we live in a sinful and fallen world and no God cannot um, make us sin or put things, like he doesn't do these things intentionally does that mean i don't i don't know if i'm making sense but like god's not going to throw a false religion at us and you know what i mean like does that make sense keep going okay so what i'm saying is is things happen we're exposed to things but even though these things we were deceived in some of this and whether or not god veiled or unveiled our eyes from it okay is is, um relevant and irrelevant Mm -hmm. because when we look at the whole picture, God always uses things for good. There's some, there's always a purpose, I guess okay. I should say. So you're talking about sort of this, I would have pulled Joseph from the pit yes. kind of idea. Yes. Which I don't know who actually came up with that. Um, do you, I, somebody posted this really beautiful little excerpt and... Somebody at Bible study was talking about it too, about how they would have pulled Joseph out of the pit. Yeah. They would they would have gone in and they would have ruined everything yep. because Joseph had this journey that he was going to God go on. God sent him before his people. And yeah. and so it was it was what humans meant for evil. God meant for good. Right. Yes. And so I think that's yes. sort of yes. what you're saying. Yes, hear okay. me. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh so I know that one, it's hard to look back and be like, man, I was really 
naive. I was really this or that, which mm-hmm. we, we were. But at the same time, I think it's really neat looking back and being able to be like, okay, but look at the people that my testimony can touch now. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not just some person who has always been reformed, which I don't know that many of us have been. This is a pretty new resurgence. There are some, mm-hmm. but I can speak from experience. I can speak from a place of, hey, like I've, I've been there. I've been a part of that. I've been exposed to that thing. I've been in this and thought that I was doing what God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I thought that I was being obedient. Yeah. I thought that I was doing right. I thought I was doing good. But then God showed me different. Right. And so I think that that's something too to look at is all of our life experiences, just like anybody in the Bible, the things that were intended for evil, God intended for good, right? Mm-hmm. And so it can be this twofold kind of thing, but it's part of our testimony and part of what we can use to reach other people as well. Like I couldn't speak out against holy yoga if I was never a holy yoga instructor and as deep into it as I was. Yeah from a place of, Hey, I love you. And I'm concerned. And this is what I believed and the excuses that I use to continue to do it. And then this is what God showed me and why he pulled me out of that. Uh This is what I thought I was doing with automatic writing. And then this is what God was like, absolutely not. So in this, and perhaps this is anecdotal, we went uh, over spring break to see a castle that this gentleman had built on his own. And we were going around, and some of the places were locked off. Some of them weren't. Some of the portions were finished. Some weren't. And there was this spiral staircase that you really can't see where you're going. And I want to go see what's up there. So I go look. It wasn't anything I wanted to be a part of. It was spider webs. <laughs> it was like, and it was, you know, gated off. Uh, you could see into the room, but, like, the it was, it was uh, like a... There's a barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Fence there. And so my family is behind me and I'm like, nope, go back. Go back. (laughs) And they're like, but why? Like they have to like go see it for themselves, you know, that there's, and I think as human beings, we do that. And I know we do because I watched two other families do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. This one poor couple, they had a baby strapped into a baby carrier on his chest and they were trying to like carry this stroller up and then they had to turn around. I thought, what a metaphor for life. Like you drag your kids up here and you know, now you warning signs, man, figure out how to get them back down. But you went through into this holy yoga. You went up the stairs. You went, you went as deep as you could go. You've seen all there is to see and you're turning around and you say, look, I love you. I see the road that you're on. This isn't anything that you want to be a part of. Turn back. And some people are going to say, okay, yeah, I trust you. Let's head back. Mm -hmm. Other people are going to have to see for themselves. Yeah. And some might not ever come out of it. And uh, that's, that's hard to watch and to see. And I still have people who ask me to participate, to teach classes. And I over and over again have to tell them like I'm not I'm not practicing holy yoga Mm -hmm. some have asked why and some haven't and it's hard like it's a hard thing to be like well (laughs) this is why Mm -hmm. because we live in a Christian culture where everything is permissible Mm -hmm. except for what is you know like I don't even know how to um like everything in the world is permissible as long as we put Jesus in it I guess I don't Uh know like (laughs) yeah it's like a filter Yes. It's like a filter where you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as 
Jesus is included in there somewhere. And, and whatever Jesus it. you want Jesus to be. Exactly. Which we come back again then to this idea of, well, why aren't you just, why don't you just say you're just a Christian? Because there is an entire world of meaning. And when I say that I'm a Christian who follows the Bible. I'm a biblical Christian. Right. Or I am a biblicist. Yeah. How many other people are saying that? But when I can tell you, listen, I'm, I'm reformed. I'm confessional. I'm following Christ. I'm basing my life off of scripture mm-hmm. alone and for the glory of God alone. That is a different that's a different thing. Oh, it's a whole other category. And, and when you can hand, you can you know look through and you can say, "Here's what I believe, and here's the scripture that goes with it." And the reformers were doing what you and I were doing on a, a much better scale. They were much better at it. Where they they sort of had this skewed Christianity that they were living within, which was this Catholic culture that yeah. was really poisonous Mm -hmm. with indulgences and everything else and they said wait a minute we have been given access to scriptures we read it that's not in there Mm -hmm. we're not participating and we're willing to go to the stake over it and that's the thing that's right there's the key is we have to know what's in this book we do like we have to know for ourselves what's in this book and i have never been taught led pressed challenged encouraged commanded yeah to actually know for myself what's in here and what do i believe because Mm -hmm. what the bible says right not you know what are you preaching from the pulpit and i feel like me 15 years ago would have said to you oh well i do all of that too but i didn't know what i didn't know and i didn't realize that the bible is being read as a whole this is not a i did a devotion i read i read (laughs) you know luke Chapter 9, verse mm-hmm. 12. I read our <laughs> daily bread. Yeah. And it had a really good message in there about Sarah. Yeah. And I really parallel with Sarah. And so yeah. I'm saying, you're not Sarah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like I read my devotional out of Jesus Calling. And right. this is what God said to me through it. Right. <laughs> and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought that that was any different. And when we are pushed in this way to know our Bibles inside and out, to know what we believe, why we believe it, it is important. Yeah. And we're coming out of, we're not coming out of the, the Catholic Church, but we are coming out of this toxic American Christianity that is deceptive. It is generations of unchecked pastors, preachers, elders, whatever, who have taken their interpretation of what they think it means in an isolated way and then pass it on to people. And it's like a game of telephone. And then by the time you get down to us, you know, umpteen hundred years later, now we've got this. Yeah, because we've lost sight of, we don't understand church history. Mm -hmm. We don't understand our where our church fathers came from and believed and why. We don't understand, we don't even understand biblical history. Right. And so when I go, when, when I see these things and I go back to Paul and say, okay, what is, what happened here? I go back to the gospels. What yeah. happened in the gospels? What is Jesus actually talking about yeah. here? What's actually happening? And context matters because what does he yeah. mean by this? And wh- why would this have been um, shocking news to the Jews or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, why would this have been so countercultural at that time? Mm-hmm. Why was it? Why did the Jews, like when Jesus spit in the, spat in the mud, and like, yeah. why would, what was he really, what machine was he raging against? <laughs> I, mean, like, I just for want real. you to know that, that 
punk 16 year old me just really valued that which machine is he raping <laughs> the sanhedrin one and why you know like what law was he going against that he was like no like yeah you know like this is not anyway so we need to understand these things and so i guess for me i'm still obviously learning because my husband brandon has been reformed for 10 or 11 years Mm -hmm. and i used to poke fun at him like we would do bible studies and i'd be like did you guys know that brandon's a calvinist and (laughs) you know i think we talked about this maybe in the last podcast but I would poke jokes because I had no understanding. Like, mm-hmm. why does it matter if you're an Arminian or a Calvinist? Like, what, can't you just believe what the Bible says? And honestly, <laughs> with your background, I wouldn't... I don't know that I would totally fault you for somebody presenting something new to you. And you being like, oh, yeah? Is that what you're into? Is that a thing that you do? <laughs> Great. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> like, I've dated a Scientologist. I've dated... Don't you know... <laughs> Don't you know all of these things that have been pushed in my face? Uh And I am a person who, you know, even when I dated people from those false religions, Mm -hmm. they never obviously had any kind of an impression on me. Right. Um, Thank God. I think it was only by the grace of God that they didn't. But I am, God made me a very stubborn person and you're, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to know that I know why I know and be shown why I know and believe Right. And research and know. It gives you a healthy things. skepticism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Might be a little unhealthy sometimes. <laughs> is that a trauma response? No, it is an unhealthy, earned skepticism yeah. in my wisdom and old age. I'm not 19. I got this, right? Yeah. Fool me once, man. <laughs> Fool me once. Okay, so I have some questions that I want to ask. But before I do that, I just... There's so much here that... Like, I know you, I know a little bit more of your story than what we've talked about just on today's episode. So I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. So these things aren't, they're not always easy to get down into a compression. minutes. 45 minutes. Yes. Right. We're shooting for it. Um, <laughs> so I guess the questions really that I have are, are hinged on this broader topic, which is, we both came out of this place where as long as we're putting Jesus on it, it's, it's Christianized and it's good and that's enough and that's sufficient. How has your life changed now that scripture is the key, that scripture is the measuring stick, scripture is what you are aiming for, and yeah. that God is, I guess for a better uh lack of a better way to say it, the, the star of your story and not yeah. you. Yeah, that's so, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like, so how does that, how does that work? That's, I think when we, when we take our faith seriously and we have true reverence for God and for his word, the star of the story shifts. It's no longer about us. Well, I like mm-hmm. this kind of worship music. I mm-hmm. like this kind of um, book that is going to make me feel good about me. Mm-hmm. I like, I like, I like, I like, right? Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I love so much about, uh, at least in our church and the community that I'm a part of in being reformed is putting that reverence on God. And what does God command of us? Mm-hmm. What is, how does God want to be worshiped? What does God expect for us to know? And how, how, um, and how his words should literally dictate everything we do from the way that we wake up in our attitude towards our children 
yeah. and our husband and our attitude towards our housework and the responsibilities that he's given us as wives and mothers and women and yeah. friends and mentors our attitude towards having to run errands or changing a diaper or there's all of these things and we there's such a higher standard yeah that we're called to that in other um in in past i don't know in other ways of being brought up where i was before mm-hmm. there wasn't so much of that there was a lot of grace but to a fault almost like God gives us lots of grace. Right. But at what point are we using grace as a crutch for bad behavior, bad attitudes and a refusal to change and repent? Right. And so there's, there's so much more, there's such a heavy, but in a good way, Mm -hmm. um, just reliance on man, God is holy. And this is what he expects of his people. And especially in American culture, we are so entertainment driven. We are yeah. so self driven as far as selfishness of our desires as mothers. So many moms sit in this, this spot of like, Oh, it's, it's wine o'clock. Like I survived right. my kids today and you guys are going to bed and I'm going to have three glasses of wine and just forget about, you know, the life that I have and, mm-hmm. um, surviving the day. And I'm not going to say that I don't those things aren't hard, like that I don't sit in hard places. And sometimes I don't appreciate what God has given me. Okay. So sometimes you also cry in your pantry. Oh yeah. And like, (laughs) and sometimes I preach. I mean, yeah. Like I have to, I've been listening and here's another thing. Like I, the things I'm filling my mind with, the things I'm reading, the things I'm listening to, the people that I'm going to Mm -hmm. are completely different. Because I want people pouring. I want this this Titus two mandate mm-hmm. has never been something I've been taught before. There's never been an importance on that, right? And and then even when there was a desire for it, there hasn't been a lot of women in my life that follow that or that I feel like I could go to. Mm-hmm. And so, learning that I can read these books from these women, past and present, you know, right. Susan Hunt and Elizabeth Prentice and Gloria Furman and all of these women who have gone before us, Elizabeth Elliot, mm-hmm. you know, that can pour into me through the, the works of their words and their lives in these podcasts that I listen to that are encouraging, that are fulfilling, that aren't giving me an excuse to live a mediocre Christian mom, wife life, right? <laughs> right? Like that, this, the importance of what it means to be a, a woman and a Christian woman mm-hmm. and just like the charge that's put on us. And so things have changed so much from that perspective of taking God's word seriously, going to his word for what like my standard of excellence in motherhood is in, in being a wife and being a friend or a mentor, an encourager, like a Christian, like right. what is God's standard of excellence and not what is the world, even the Christian quote unquote Christian world telling me is okay and permissible. But what does God, what does God's word actually say? So Absolutely. That's a big change. <laughs> it is. It is a big change. And I guess I want to ask then as a follow up to that follow up question. Um, do you feel that these things then that have shifted where you see your role differently, has that put more pressure on your life? Yes and no. Okay. Um, Is there a right or wrong answer to this question? (laughs) I don't know. So I think yes, because I'm more aware of my sinfulness. I am more aware of the command and the charge that God has put on me. 
and I'm more aware of my responsibility to control my actions, my reactions, my attitude, my behavior, my thoughts. And so sometimes it feels like more of a burden, right? Like Paul says, like the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't do the things that I want to do, all of these things. Right. And so I think that the more you're aware of your depravity, the more that you're aware of all of these things and you're called to holiness and godliness and to be righteous and though we're made righteous in him it's not our own doing Mm -hmm. um but the more that we have to tame our tongue the more that we have to allow the holy spirit to work and humble ourselves when we're being prideful and repent of things that maybe before i wouldn't have repented of because i was told that it was permissible and okay to have a bad Mm -hmm. day and there was no charge for repentance. Like, yeah, it can be harder because there's more of a serious um, charge for us. Like, we're called to be right. holy. Well, and I think you you go from this low view of God. Yeah. Where you are really the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And God is just kind of like this helper or this yeah. vending machine or, yes. you know. This direct line to whatever I want. When you start to actually look at what scripture says about who God is and who he reveals himself to be. And you start to see the, the just utter and complete holiness of God and how you'll never measure up to it. Right. (laughs) And the way that our human minds can barely grasp. And you start to realize that, wow, what I'm, what I'm shooting for and, and being Christ-like, that's a, that's a tall order. Yeah. And there's nothing that I'm going to be able to do that's going to measure up to this at all. And this is why I need to be connected to the vine. Yeah. This is why his power is going to thrive in my weakness. Yeah. And this is, this is where all these other encouraging scriptures are coming from. Mm-hmm. Not because I just need something to help me get through until it's wine o'clock. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, <laughs> like, what scripture can I get right now that says that you're sufficient or you're going to, my anxiety, like just these like little nitpicky yes. things with no context. And I think it's good also to keep in mind that we can fall, we can go from one pit to another pit mm-hmm. in um, we knowing that we will never measure up, but also not living in a place where we're constantly like, I'm never measuring up. I'm never like yeah. focusing because that's still focusing on us. Mm-hmm. And that can be another really hard pit. And I'm not going to say that I don't ever fall into it because there's times that I am just like, God, like I am so, and it's good to recognize this, but I'm so insufficient. Like I am doing a horrible job and I am so sinful and I'm so this, which we need to lament those things, but also we need to rest in and, and, um, allow God in his strength and his spirit and his, you know what I mean? To mm-hmm. edify us, to sanctify us, <laughs> like right. these things where we're growing and we're not just sitting in this, in this wallow of, well, I'm just never going to measure up. Like, right. To ha- we need to have a reverence for his word and understand that it's not about us and that we're not mm-hmm. we're not worthy at all and we're only made worthy through Christ. Mm-hmm. But also to still like get up, pick up your cross, take it up, and follow me. Right. Like put on put on your big girl undergarments. Right? <laughs> like, let's go and get this done. Right. Because this is what I'm calling to you to, and this is the life that I've called for you. Mm-hmm. Like, don't wallow that that motherhood is hard and that it's, you know, it's not valuable and that it's demeaning and that it's this and that Mm -hmm. it's that. Like I, I gave, I gifted you these children. I gifted you this husband and yes, like we're not always going to measure up, but we still have a charge, a responsibility to raise our children in holiness and godliness and fear and admonition of the war, the Lord, their arrows that we're pointing out, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
So not sitting in that as well. So there's a lot of joy in that. Yeah, there should be. Where <laughs> you suddenly, even though there's a lot of weight to it, there's a joy in it because all of a sudden now you're no longer wondering, what's God's plan for me? Like, what am I, what is my big David story? What, yeah. How am I going to fight my Goliath? Yeah. You're not dealing with that anymore. You know, this is what is asked of me yep. in scripture. I just need to focus on this. Mm-hmm. I need to look to God to give me the strength to get these things done. When I mess up, it's not going to be, you know, I'm not powerful enough to stop God's plans or his purposes, uh, that he is working all of these things together in his sovereignty. And there's so much joy when you can just be a mom in the moment and not be panicked that you should also be living up to X, Y, and Z American standards. Yeah. Because you've got this magic Jesus pill and now you could, um, you know... Prophesy this into being, or speak it into being. Yeah. Like what? Is, what is that? Um, um, starts with an M. Yeah. Ma- manifesting. Manifest. Like you know, <laughs> yes. like I'm not a wizard. I don't have to go manifest. You know, uh, I'm gonna manifest that I'm the best sourdough baker in the <laughs> because that's really gonna make me a great reformed mom. <laughs> Some of us just don't do it. It's okay. To all of the sourdough ladies, we just want you to know. Could you teach us? <laughs> We are watching your posts with interest. We're trying. Uh, We'll get there eventually. Just, you know, wait up for us. Send us a starter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like we look so much to the world. And this, I'm reading a book called Emma's for Mama. And it's really great because it talks about how God gifted us all differently. And and even how like the scripture talking about narrow is the gate, but wide is the way. Or Mm -hmm. I might have got that wrong. But talking about how even in motherhood, like, God gives us these specific giftings. Don't look over the side of the fence at somebody else's giftings. Like you mm-hmm. have no business even looking there. Like be the mom God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. Do the things he's called you to do and not measuring, trying to measure up to what everybody else's standard right. or their giftings are. Um, and so like one thing I do want to share, my life verse really right now is um, Romans 12 mm-hmm. ESV. Um translation just for anybody wondering but i appeal to you uh, romans 12 1 and 2 i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect sorry that went through verse 4 we are to do that like mm-hmm. our actual physical bodies are to be used for god's will as well like i think mm-hmm. sometimes we just think like let's feed our soul it's and mm-hmm. not that we're not supposed to spiritually obviously be nourished but our actual tangible physical bodies are to be mm-hmm. used as a living sacrifice and i think there's one translation that says uh reasonable service I'm yeah not sure yep. this one set i didn't catch it it did not say that but yes there reasonable is reasonable service yeah. Like it's a reasonable. Yeah. You have been bought out of the marketplace doing worthless things that only made you feel terrible. And now you've been set free and you've got this entire world of promise that's yeah. available to you. But isn't as, it reasonable? Yeah. But as mothers, we're told that that's shackles. Yeah. No. That's weird. It's right? a lie, right? Yes. Are like, your children a blessing? Is that not the most they're, they're just thing? holding you back. Yes. They're holding you back from your real purpose, your real life, your real career mm-hmm. and calling. And it's just not true. No. <laughs> like, 
I'm, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, but children are a gift. And, and why is it that we have children that they didn't choose to come into this world, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't choose who their parents were. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. why is it that we have children? And then we, we live, they live their whole lives. Some of them feeling like that they were just burdens. Right. And, and then you've got these, these grown children who are now have trauma issues and trust issues and worth like all of these things that, because as a mother, we don't understand, like we, we are told by the world that this is holding us back. Mm -hmm. Like that the family unit that God created is, is evil, Mm -hmm. that it's wrong, that it's, you know, just holding you back from your true self. (laughs) And this is beautiful because, um, first of all, I think it's a beautiful answer to how are things different for you? Yeah. Right. Like you, the way that you see yourself in relation to God is completely different. Yeah. And that's wonderful. It's also nice because we're going to be talking about gender roles later. Mm, So I'm going to. I'm gonna back it up so we don't give uh, yes. we don't give it yes. all away because we're gonna we've got <laughs> sorry I got ahead of us. That's okay. <laughs> we've got more episodes coming up where we're gonna be talking about uh, motherhood, being females, and what that's like. What does femininity look like? What does masculinity look like? So we'll get and we can that. talk on that because our husbands will be speaking on it. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. <laughs> So I think that this is, we'll probably have to stop here. And I know that you, you invited the ladies listening to go ahead and give you a, send you a message or give you a phone call if they've got any other questions or they want to follow up with you. So uh, I know you well enough to know that you would, you would take the time to answer some people. So if you guys want to reach out to her and ask her any other follow-up questions or figure out how she got out of where she was. And, and you can do that. We have a Facebook page. Yep. Um, and so you can message us there. It's just reformed refugees podcast. We did set that up and I'm sure it's, and we have an email reformed refugees at gmail.com. Absolutely. So I hope that we'll hear from some of you and for everybody else who has already sent messages and encouraging notes to us uh, we thank you and we hope to see you guys next time yep. bye bye